Hello and welcome to the second episode of Modern Day Rebels, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers who actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank and I'm the host of this podcast. I am fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives and I'm excited to explore this topic with you. Each week, I sit down with a modern-day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, how they managed to do so in the first place, and what they do now to sustain, maintain, and continuously transform their everyday lives. In today's episode, I sit down with Alice Benham, digital marketing coach and absolute powerhouse. I admire her approach to make the business world a more honest, focused, and intentional space. We talk about how the risk of leaving school before she finished her A-levels, or high school depending on what system you're familiar with, was outweighed by the discomfort of staying in a place that felt wrong for her to be in. We also talk about the process she went through to build a business that is right for her, from trying out everyone else's approach to identifying a clear why for herself and for other people, and how the more she trusted her gut instinct, the more people have joined in. I got so much out of this conversation and I hope you will as well. So let's dive right in. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Alice, to be on the podcast today. Kind of starting off, you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur and chronic oversharer. <laughs> Straight from the Instagram caption. What? Yeah, what does that actually mean? And what is it you do? What does that mean? I, well, my kind of official title is digital marketing coach. So I often describe that kind of everything that I do in business is about helping entrepreneurs, kind of primarily female entrepreneurs, but you know, everyone's welcome, um, helping them to level up what they do and get more intentional, more effective and more sustainable really with the way that they build their business and primarily with the way that they show up online. So I do one-to-one coaching, I've got group programs and I host a podcast and a retreat as well. So lots of things, but all in that same direction, all about just making the business world a more honest, focused, intentional, hopefully nicer to be in space. And kind of you already mentioned some of the things around like honest and more intentional space, but given that this podcast is called Modern Day Rebels, why do you think someone might refer to yourself as a rebel? I guess I didn't take the most traditional route, I guess, into adulthood and my career, even if I would call it that. It feels weird to call it that. So I started straight out of school, halfway through my A-levels at 17. My family are in the room, so I won't say what their opinions were on that transition. (laughs) But that was obviously a different route to take things and not necessarily kind of what was planned out for me or what maybe other people were hoping. And then I guess in the business world itself, probably just that honesty and transparency, which to me is so logical and such a, I couldn't imagine running a business without it being that way. But I often find that something that's highlighted when people maybe speak about me or my business is that actually I just kind of do everything in a very open way. There's no smoke and mirrors, there's no secret strategies. And that for me is, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it another way, but I do notice it gets picked up on a bit. So that would probably be Yeah, and I'm so excited to kind of dive into into both of those. I guess starting, the easiest way to start is always to start at the start. So kind of, do you mind walking me through, so you're kind of in school, you realize, ah, maybe this isn't for me. How how was that kind of mindset or like reflecting back on that? What was that time like for you? Looking back, I recognize that for me, leaving school just came from a place of being so desperate to do and so desperate to finally kind of really get my teeth into something. I wasn't 
you know, typically what you might associate with someone that drops out of school. I really enjoyed it. I got quite good grades. I was kind of, you know, a good student, I guess, whatever that means. But I think just over the years, you know, more and more years of just learning to perform in exams and being in classes all day, I just had this kind of desire grow inside of me. Like, I just want to go and do, I just want to go and actually make something happen and I had my first ever job was when I was 16 I was an elf which is a whole story in itself but that was like the best first job because it basically led to me then doing some events management work and I think that first ever job just kind of even so much more just grew that desire of like wanting to get my teeth into something wanting to feel like I was making a genuine impact wanting to just have a go at life and just throw myself at it so I think I just got to this point halfway through my A-levels where I was like I am so done with just learning things to then perform it in an exam and I didn't you know feel a huge passion to study anything at university I was struggling a bit with social anxiety as well with friendship groups so it just got to the point I think where I was like the risk of whatever this choice may be of leaving school and trying something different completely is outweighed by the discomfort that I feel about staying where I am and still doing that thing. And that realization, was that kind of gradual or was that, was there a, a turning point or an aha moment where you're like, no, actually this outweighs the discomfort that I'm feeling? I think in a way it was very gradual and I don't think I fully understood what decision I was making when I did it because looking back to leave so for people that aren't familiar A-levels are like a two-year end of school before university so to leave halfway through is very just like why not do the last year what are you doing just keep it going and obviously to leave for what at the time was quite an insecure job I think looking back actually if I'd really understood the choice I was making I probably wouldn't have done it but I just knew I think in me especially when I started to talk about it to other people I was so so keen just to make this change and do it that the more that I spoke about it and the more I kind of tried to convince others that it was a good idea I think I realized like oh yeah I really want to have a go at this but I don't think I fully understood the risk or the the kind of depth of the risk that I was possibly making so I'm glad it worked out well. You essentially decided to, to leave school around before, I guess, year 12, right, with early levels, and then kind of went into the work world. What, what was your first, I guess your second job, first job, elf, second job, straight out that kind of led you to where you are now? Yeah, so I left for a sales administration job, which was at the company where I'd done the elf work and done the kind of events management work. So I did that for a few months, but in a way for me, that was just the way that I would get out of school and manage to go and do a job. And I knew that wasn't kind of the passion or the dream, but it just felt like the right next step. And then it was through the weirdest kind of set of events of meeting someone who was a family friend at a hotel breakfast who I just had a conversation with and said that I was interested in events management. And then weirdly, a couple of months later, whilst I was still working this sales administration job, they offered me a consultancy role in events management in their charity. And at the time, I didn't understand what consultancy meant. I thought that was just a job. So I was like, yeah, sounds great. I'll go for it. And then that's kind of where the accidental entrepreneur thing came into play because I never really realized like, oh, I'm now self-employed. Interesting. That's a thing. And I basically said yes to this job that was one day a week. So I quit the kind of full-time salary job that I was in, jumped to this charity work. And then it became apparent pretty quickly that the events job wasn't available yet. It was a couple of months kind of down the line that it would be. So I think they just put two and two together and thought she's 17. She probably knows about social media. Can you manage our social media for a few months? So it went from interim social media manager to just 
that snowballing and gaining loads of social media clients. And then I spent the first nine months of business running the accounts of quite a few different charities and corporates based in London, which was the craziest way to start. And I cannot remember how that happened, but yeah, it just went from there, really. And was there ever a point where you kind of felt like, wait a minute, I I shouldn't be there? I'm not saying you shouldn't, but like, was there ever a point where you're like, I'm I'm out of my depths? Or what was what was your mindset kind of at that point? Oh my gosh, every single day, every meeting I was in, every email I was sending, I had to just keep pinching myself of like, why am I here? Like, how has this happened? And I think, you know, I was beautifully naive in the sense that I just threw myself at everything and was so desperate to learn and was so desperate to do well that I guess that's what led me to being in those rooms and being able to do those jobs but oh my gosh the amount of times that someone would say a phrase like SEO and then I would just quickly google it under the table or go to the toilet and research what it was like I had no clue but I think I just knew like well damn I've taken this risk it feels so exciting to be kind of living life somewhat on my own terms even though I'm maybe not doing that right now in a way that I love, actually just the act of being able to do kind of whatever I want, that's enough. So yeah, I think I was just so excited. I was so thrilled to be out of school and and doing something quite different to, you know, anything I'd ever done before. And so then you essentially ended up being an accidental entrepreneur in terms of you're all of a sudden self-employed. Did that kind of nudge you in the direction of like, oh, I could have my own business or was having your own business something you've always wanted to? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't want to pretend that I'm one of those people, you know, and it's like from the age of 14, they're always selling random things and they would always have been a business owner. But actually my first like tiny, tiny job that I had before the Elf one was making these wooden signs, which was, would have phrases on them. Like, I don't know. The only one I can think of at the moment is let it snow because I found one the other day and put it up in our garden. It's a lot of, it's a lot of Christmas themed jobs. <laughs> yeah, it is. She loves Christmas. Um, but I would make these tiny wooden signs and flog them on Facebook or to my mum's friends. So I think I'd always had this kind of spirit inside of me where I liked doing my own thing. I loved the idea of just being able to create my own life and being in control, you know, probably quite a a positive effect of being a bit of a control freak is that I've always been really in love with the idea of having that autonomy over what I do. Um, So yeah, I think in that first year, I wouldn't have said that I was a business owner because it felt very much like I was, you know, this business was almost running me. I definitely wasn't running it. I was just saying yes to things, you know, to the point where I ended up burning out, but just to see where it would go. And then there was a definitely a transition point after I burnt out where I was then like, okay, if I'm gonna do this intentionally and I'm gonna do this right, I probably need to take this a bit more seriously and actually see this as a business rather than just let's keep saying yes and let's get excited as the numbers grow until something breaks. And I think that was a change in mindset. And I kind of want to spend some time kind of talking about that because you're in your first job, like it's really exciting, things are happening, there seems to be be some momentum going. And then there's a lead up to a point where you, you just mentioned you've burned out. Kind of what led up to that and kind of looking back, were there any warning signs that probably in the moment were hard to, to pinpoint, but looking back were, were warning signs? Yeah, absolutely. I think in a way for me, what had happened is I'd just been so excited, as the right words put it, by what was happening that I'd kind of ignored every other element of what kind of makes up a life. So I was doing a lot of traveling in that first year business just around the UK. And, you know, a lot of my, all of my friends actually were still doing their A-levels and any kind of hobbies or social life that I had were all linked to school. So very quickly, I'd kind of 
you know, completely changed my life to then just be working and doing all the time. And whilst at the time I thought, well, this is what working's about. You just work all of the time. Okay, okay, this is how it works. And I knew no better. Looking back, absolutely, I can see that all I did was just kind of build this life based on work. And almost the point where I realised I was burnt out was when I stopped working for a day and then went, ah, it doesn't really feel like there's anything else here. You know, the me that was in those meeting rooms, the me that was doing that work, that wasn't someone that I felt particularly connected to or proud of. I think I had just instilled in myself this belief of like, that's what work is. Work is that you just keep saying yes, you do the thing, you perform, you do what someone wants you to do. And I'd never been told or considered that there was another way to do it. So at the time, so many warning signs, but I think I was just so focused. The blinkers were on, I couldn't see them. And people around me had no clue either because I was so excited and it looked very shiny and it all looked very, very cool and good. And you know, no one had really seen anyone else do this career path before. So there was no benchmark for what was healthy or wasn't. So yeah, lots of learning curves when I look back, absolutely. And kind of, was there a point where, cause you, you ended up taking some time off, right? to to work mm-hmm. through the burnout. I don't know if that's the the right way to say it, but kind of <laughs> kind of take take a pause and take a moment and kind of you were almost forced to reevaluate. Is that something where you've had to kind of separate your identity from work and and how did you work through that to kind of do that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the kind of trigger point I think of me taking that time off, you know, I'd been doing almost 10 months I think of just straight working, pushing, pushing, pushing and my family were going on a ski trip and I think I'd agreed because everyone probably prompted me to do okay I'll I'll take a week off I'll I'll stop working for a week and I remember really clearly the kind of pinpoint moment of like ah something's wrong here was when I got on the plane and just realized like I don't really feel anything and it sounds dramatic you know looking back and and saying that but I remember in that moment just being like I, I don't really know who I am I don't really know what I like I don't really know who my friends are I don't really know what I'm doing with my life, like almost the second that work and that connectedness was taken away, I was met with what was left, which wasn't much, or at least wasn't something that I was very proud of. So yeah, I think absolutely what you said, that's very true, where that burnout period, as much as it was about resting and recovering, it was almost about rebuilding my life. And I guess almost building the foundations of a successful business, which I never had in the first place, which actually doesn't at all start with the business, but starts with you in terms of who you are and your values and your approach and what's important. So it was a very non-linear, very messy kind of six to nine month period really of just trying to figure that out. I traveled a lot. I spent a lot of time with friends, spent a lot of time in bed, spent a lot of time at therapy, spent a lot of time at the doctors. But I think ever so slowly, I just began to kind of piece back what looked a bit more like a a life. It sounds dramatic again, but I think that did feel true. And then from that point, it then felt, okay, I just about feel like I can begin to think about approaching work again. But for most of that burnout period, I couldn't even process the thought of of doing another business. It felt like the last thing I wanted to do until I think I'd, yeah, tick that box of really rebuilding things. So based on your kind of previous career, right, from the outside, it looked looked really shiny, you were successful financially, but actually on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't seem like the business and the business was working for you in the way that you wanted to work it was that kind of a realization you had to work through as well or did that come as a surprise yeah I think for me working through that almost took place as I began to rebuild the business I think 
I had no clue stepping into kind of phase two of the business, actually what it was going to take to build mm-hmm. it in that more sustainable and value driven and true to myself way. I think I was quite naive to that in a way because that first year had been so easy. Like I, I made a, a lot of money and I don't really know. I didn't definitely did not put the work in to attract those kind of clients and attract that kind of work that I think I went into my kind of second phase of the business yes more intentional but still very naive to actually what it would take to build a business that way so probably within the first kind of three or four months really when I was kind of a you know a good chunk of time in to trying to rebuild the business but in a more value-driven way when it wasn't gaining tons of traction and I wasn't making this income again, I think there was a big learning curve in that season of like, oh, (laughs) it's not, you know, building a life on your terms isn't as easy as just deciding it, putting it out there and letting it happen. I suddenly, and you know, it's an ongoing realization for me, there is so much action and consistency and time involved in doing it that way. And there was definitely a lot of moments in those first few months back to business where I just kept thinking like, is it worth it? Like, why not just go back and do it the way I did it before? Surely that was, you know, it wasn't great, but it was at least, it had traction, it was making money, it, it felt successful. But I think there was a real certainty in me of like, I can't go back to that, I can't do that. And I knew if I was going to rebuild a business and work again for myself, it was gonna have to be in this new way. Mm-hmm. But understanding what this new way was and how to do that, oh my gosh, was a good two years, I would say. <laughs> so so kind of talk me through that because I'm really interested in, you made that realization, okay, the way that I've been doing things isn't working for me anymore. But then there's almost this like blank page ahead of you of, okay, well, how on earth do I even start identifying the things that went wrong, which are typically always easier to identify than the things that are working and kind of drilling down on, okay, well, what are the values and and what does it actually mean to build life on my own terms or a business on my own terms? So can you kind of walk me through almost, I know two years is a long long time, but kind of those steps that kind of have helped you to get to that point where you feel like, okay, yes, actually this works for me now? Yeah, I would say those early days was a lot of almost just kind of being tempted to go back to the way I was doing it before but then every time I did that, remembering why it mattered so much for me not to do that. So I think those first months was really just realizing, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the right way. And then I would say almost the next year was just understanding what the right way meant for me. And that is something that is still evolving and still shaping within my business. I feel like every new thing that I do is getting me closer to the right way. I don't think it's a tick a box, you've got it kind of thing. But I guess that kind of first transition, which was definitely the hardest, was a lot of just being like, okay, I kind of know an idea of where I want to be. You know, I don't understand what that's going to look like, but I have a feeling of the impact I want to have and how I want to make people feel and what I want to be known for and how I want to show up. And actually a lot of that came from seeing other people doing it and realizing it was possible. Because again, I think a lot of my feeling, you know, I'd had a few months where I'd almost felt like I'd failed and I thought, oh, am I being optimistic that there's a, a better way to do this? Actually, should I just sacrifice my health and my mental health to be quote unquote successful? And I was like, well, successful at that cost is not successful. So it was a lot of just kind of going around in circles with that. And then I think it was just continually taking action to try and figure out how to put that into place. And a lot of what sat underneath that for me was realizing that if I was gonna build a business which genuinely served me, it meant doing everything my way. Not in the sense of, 
I know the right way to do everything. I absolutely do not. But I think trusting my gut that actually doing it in a way that felt good to me was the most important thing. So there was a lot of copying other people's approach, you know, saying things in a way that didn't feel like me. I think I almost had to toy around with doing it everyone else's way to then come back to that quite, you know, long-winded conclusion of, oh, okay, it's the hardest way to do it, but I'm gonna have to just do this on my terms and do everything in line with kind of my values and what I want if this is going to work if that makes sense. So was it almost kind of trial and error of like, I'm gonna try on this this persona, ooh, that doesn't quite feel right. Or was it also talking with other people or were you working with someone or how did you kind of identify or start building, building yeah. that growth? Looking back, I could have saved probably a good year of my life just by <laughs> maybe just reaching out to some other people and asking them questions. But I think at the time I was just so determined of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. I think I, part of me knew I was gonna get there. But yeah, that analogy of just kind of trying on all these different approaches felt really true. I think the, the least comfortable thing to do felt like the thing that I wanted to do the most. So I almost had to try on all of the, the more comfortable things like doing it other people's way, kind of trying a bit of what I did before, copy and pasting the other approaches that I saw before just kind of being like, oh, damn it. Okay, I've now got all the evidence to say that doesn't work. Maybe I should now just do it in that way that I want to, to do. And it's not to say that the second I did that, it then became easy, but I think the second I really connected to like, oh, okay, this is what I wanna build, and this is what's important to me about it. And you know, it took months to get that clarity. If I'd worked with someone else, or probably got someone else to help me with it, probably would have been a bit quicker because they could have asked the right questions. But the second I'd connected to that, I think then it was just trying to take the action to get closer to it. And again, it became a non-negotiable for me of, well, if I'm gonna build this, it's gonna be, in this way and almost with every step with every mistake with every bit of learning I just felt clearer and clearer on that and then I guess it was just figuring out okay if that's what I'm going to land on I'm just going to need to find how I do that and I'll try 10 different attempts till I find the one that sticks and keep going with it. So you obviously had an area of, of expertise based on kind of your experience previously but how did that translate on a day-to-day -day basis? Was it, did you kind of start seeing different types of clients, accepting different types of clients? Did you have a structured approach to it where you said, okay, you know what, every month I'm gonna try something new? Mm. So in the first year of business, I was doing it for others, so social media management. And I think when I had a bit of reflection coming out of my burnout period, the biggest thing I could conclude at that point was I wanna do the same kind of work. You know, I love social media, I love storytelling, I love the ability that you have online just to connect with anyone and say anything, but I don't wanna be doing it for others and I don't think that's the best way to do it. I kind of felt with all of these businesses, like they could have probably done a better job than me because it would have been their voice and their heart and their mission. But of course I had valuable expertise to bring to maybe help them to figure out how to do that. So over a good few months, I kind of changed it from, oh, okay, I'm gonna be a social media consultant, you know, still kind of trapped in the old corporate days and thinking that's what I needed to do, to giving that a go. You know, in the first few months, I did take on a few clients who were corporates again, doing that work. But again, just had to do it to realize, ah, there's still something in this that I don't like. There's still an element of this way of working that doesn't align with what I want. And in a way it was just keeping shifting my kind of job title really and therefore what my services look like till I landed on the point where I was like okay this feels good 
So the end point was, you know, digital marketing coach and it went from social media consultant to there. So there were clients that taught me those hard lessons of like, actually, this doesn't work. And there was a lot of learning, I think, in just finally getting to that point where I was like, okay, this is how I want to show up. But there was always a truth underneath all of that, I think, of I knew the impact I wanted to have. I just knew that I had to figure out the way to do it that actually meant, you know, at the point that vague thought of like, I want to do this in the in the right way for me. That was so vague. I think it took a lot of trial and error to figure out what practically within the business in terms of my services aligned with that. And I think impact is such a big word as well. And a lot of people, I think, throw it around of like, oh, our work needs to have impact. But one of the things I admire so much about the way that you do is you kind of can feel that through through everything you do and all of your offerings. But for our listeners, do you mind just breaking down kind of how you identify impact and how you gauge whether or not a new project that you do or a new idea that you have actually still aligns with that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, years on, I now have a language and kind of a framework to put to it, which is that I have a really clear why for me and I have a really clear why for my people. And when I say my people, I don't mean like there's some weird tribe or cult or whatever but just like you know clients audience members podcast listeners whatever and that you know almost that why for me now that I look back is what I was trying to figure out in those early days is what needs to be true about this business for me personally for this to be worth running and now that I've got the clarity around that that perfectly just you know it gives me a really great framework to push everything through so that when a an offering comes to life for example the six week thing which is a group program I launched last year when I came up with that idea I was excited by it I was passionate about it I thought it would work but I knew okay in order for this to work in order for this to align it needs to agree with these two whys so it needs to align with my why for me which is a lot around autonomy and pushing myself and financial freedom and just being able to be on my terms but it also needs to align with my why for others which is around the impact of how I want to help others people's businesses how I want them to feel in the day-to-day of what they're doing the support that I want to give them so a clarity on impact and separating the impact for me and for others has been really helpful because it just gives me this super easy way to go well does this fit in with the business okay I feel good about it that's a good step but actually does it align with these two things yes no okay what do we need to change so it does and and you kind of again using the same terminology here, but I really do admire that you show up so wholeheartedly and kind of by by talking through it now, it seems like you've you've tried out that role, but also kind of grown in or maybe grown that confidence to show up wholeheartedly. But was there an impact that you noticed that it had on your business by doing so? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that me being honest online and me being really vulnerable and open about my experience of running a business that is intentional because you know when people are investing in my services they're investing in me and when people are investing in a person the fact that you know connecting with them and it's the like no trust factor that people always say isn't it like that's so important so whilst I initially started doing it just because I had no clue that that wasn't what the done thing was you know it made sense to me like I've always been honest I've always overshared online I've always been the weird kid that made YouTube videos of course I'm gonna document the reality of this you know I was so almost dishonest in my first year of business to myself that I think I thought well if I'm gonna do this now I'm gonna be so transparent almost the opposite end of the spectrum but definitely over time it's gone from a kind of accidental me thing of just well this is me to actually like oh this is really really effective and this is really fundamental to I think what 
drives my business forward purely because it's just not something that I think we see enough in the business world. We're, we're taught to almost put out a front that's very, very different to what we're experiencing. And I've seen a direct correlation between the more that I've trusted my instinct just to be honest and to show up and to, to say the things that feel like they shouldn't be said. The more I've done that, the more people have connected and the more people have joined in and the more people have wanted to join the conversations that I'm starting. So yeah, it definitely took time. In the early days, I remember just thinking a bit like, does anyone care? They didn't because I didn't have an audience. So it took a lot of just speaking to myself and, and growing in confidence with it. But absolutely now, I think, yeah, it's a no brainer for me and for the people that I'm working with. And it's so great that you seem to really own it. I did a, I did a little bit of an Instagram deep dive before <laughs> prepping for this podcast. Oh, but gosh. there's a picture of you holding up a, a banner that says, you know, feel free to unfollow me in the sense of you're very, very clear of what you stand for and the type of audience that you want to attract. Is that something that, again, you said you've accidentally been yourself, but is that something you also had to grow into? Just be like, you know what, this is what I stand for. If this is not what you're looking for, I'm not the right place. Or how did that come about? I think in that first year where I was just toying around with all of the ways to do it, which weren't just what I really wanted to do, I gained a real clarity of just, well, if I, again, I know I've said it a few times, but if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it in my way. And I think at that point, it was a real turning point. It's funny you mentioned that Instagram post because when I was first beginning to kind of branch out with just saying what I was thinking and saying this, it makes me probably sound like I'm some big like opinionist that puts all these controversial things out there. But just, I think being honest and just sharing what I actually think and what I feel, that was something I started to do when my business was in a real rut. And I think I was a good kind of two, three months away from needing to stop where I was just going to have to go, well, I've tried, this isn't working. And it's, it's no surprise to me that when I look back, kind of the moment that I first started to really trust my gut and just say what I wanted to say and show up how I wanted to show up and almost create what I wanted to consume was when my business began to gain traction and people started connecting and listening because, you know, not everyone's gonna wanna work with me and that's absolutely fine, but I'd way rather have an audience of 4,000 who all really align with what I do and wanna work with me than an audience of 10,000 who are in the middle and could choose me or leave me. I think marketing-wise, it's a no-brainer, but I never started it for that reason. I think I just started it because I thought, well, I've tried all the other attempts. This must be the only other way to do it. So it's interesting that you say that around kind of 4,000 kind of true fans almost versus kind of having that really big, big audience. And in, in marketing, that's sometimes referred to as like vanity metrics, right? Just having that that audience that isn't actually engaged doesn't really matter that much. And it seems like throughout this journey, you've really had to redefine success for yourself. Mm. Is that something that you've intentionally kind of worked around? Or is it back to that trial and error of like, oh, this isn't really working for me. This doesn't really work for me. Definitely. I think for me, redefining success is something I'm always doing. And I'm always having to just check in on myself and just make sure that I'm defining success and measuring the success of what I'm doing in the right way. Because, you know, the world in itself, and especially the kind of online world and the business world, it's so noisy. And you can't go a minute without getting someone else's version of success, whether it's inadvertently or not pushed onto you. And I think I realise really easily in business, I will get to a place where I'm just being very subconscious with the way that I'm growing and running my business. And I'll get to a point where I suddenly realise like, oh, actually this 
this doesn't feel good, but I haven't recognized that because I haven't felt really connected to what my version of success is, or I've I've had my version of success twisted or muddled because I had that conversation with someone else or I saw someone else doing something shiny and thought, I need to do that. And I think for me, it's a continual kind of reconnection reminder of like, no, this is what this is about. This is what success actually does look like. And that's something I'm always learning. You know, I think up until the last probably six months of my business, the success of my business was defined by me of, you know, am I making money and am I making impact on others? And actually that's really shifted in particularly the last six months towards, okay, great, my business works for others, but that's not success. Success also means it works for me. So that was where my kind of why for myself first came into play. It's quite a recent thing really, because I think I started to realize, okay, my definition of success needs to evolve to also include something about how this business interacts with me because it's not okay to run a business that works for others and has a great impact on others at the expense of myself Mm -hmm. and that's been an interesting evolution of that definition I think it's something that I'm always having to check back in on because it's so easy to kind of lose lose focus with and just let it let it slip I guess and as you I think evolve is a really nice word there. As you kind of evolve, because you have a personal brand, right, it's very strongly tied to you. Is there a relationship or a dynamic that you have between almost like, oh, I'm growing in this direction. This means the business has to grow in this direction. And I'm almost imagining, obviously, you you don't have an actual conversation with your business, but almost this whole like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm growing. We're constantly developing. How does my business have to respond to that? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's been a a big shift over the last probably four years, really, where at the start it was, I am my business, my business is me, there is no difference. And now I do speak about it in a third person. And Alice Benham Limited feels like a different human to Alice Benham, just as a person. And actually, that's been a really healthy process and a really healthy differentiation because I think what I noticed when myself and the business were you know completely intertwined there was no clarity of who was who exactly like you said they were so connected that when something happened in one it impacted the other and of course you can't avoid that to some degree in business you know when we are the people that sustain and run the primary work within our business they are going to interact in some way but I think it got to the point where you know something negative would happen in business and then I would feel awful all of the time because there was no separation between the two whereas almost now of course they're still connected because they're both me and it's just different versions of me showing up in both I think I've felt an ability to treat them in different ways because they ask different things of me and in different seasons as personally I'm maybe going through a challenge but business-wise everything's going quite well it actually helps to see them differently so it doesn't feel like there needs to be this kind of constant unity between the two because that unity is fine when everything's good but when something goes wrong in one of the two that can be quite a a tricky position to put yourself in. And you had someone join your team last year. I did. Did that yes. kind of change that as well? Kind of help see them as as two separate entities of having the business be be a little bit more separate from you? Definitely. Yeah. So I had Emily, my team member, who does a couple of days a week work for me. She came on board. Yeah, quite a kind of 
pivotal time in the business really when I was becoming a real bottleneck and I didn't really know how the business was going to evolve but I think I just knew I needed someone else to help me do that and a bit more time on my hands to make that happen so yeah I think bringing someone else in definitely forced me to get a lot more intentional with it because as soon as you're introducing someone else to here's the way we do things and here's the way that happens and here's the plan for that you suddenly see a lot of the gaps in it that you can kind of gloss over when it's just you looking at it so I think that really helped me, even from the sense of just feeling like it was more professional and feeling more confident of like, okay, you know, obviously the, the pressure's now on because I've got to pay someone else's bills as well as mine. But in a way, this helps me to take it a bit more seriously. And like you said, as well, feel a bit more separated from it. And the two, you know, personal and business, I think really complement each other. I've definitely noticed over the last few months, you know, that desire to bring in the why for me in my business has impacted my personal life incredibly well and because I've had more time and more energy for friendships and relationships and, and hobbies on that side so they interact but I think in a really healthy way yeah it doesn't feel like it's just out of my control and the two are kind of spiraling but yeah it feels like a good combination and in, in that intentionality about kind of teasing apart you as Alice versus Alice the business and and creating kind of that that separation of, okay, so this this is something that isn't just dependent on my every move. You've also talked about creating a business that fits your lifestyle and all, you know, and that shift in the past couple of months of really creating, okay, this actually needs to work for me. How have you kind of identified that and worked through that? Because you also now kind of work seasonally as well, right? So that all kind of all, I'm, I'm putting that all together because it kind of all f- seems to fit together but you've changed your approach to really make sure that your business fits around your lifestyle. If you just want to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm one of those people where I have to run into a brick wall to realize it's there. So as much as I wish I could have seen it coming, that there was going to come a point where my business would almost become quite unsustainable for me. I think, you know, the same with the burnout. I had to make the mistake to learn the lesson and it was getting to the back end of last year and I just kept running into this wall of like, I've got no more time, you know, my friendships and relationships are suffering as a result and the business is suffering as a result because I can't level it up. I don't know how to make more money. I don't know how to impact more people. I'm trading my time for money. I'm doing one-on-one all the time. And it was just this like continual butting up against this wall and not understanding how to answer this question. And then I think it took just a like, repetition in a way of just keeping that question alive of okay how do I fix this to then realize okay this is more of a question actually about how is this business working for me and in line with that I started working with a couple of different people so I started working with a life coach and also with a business mentor both of whom have like perfectly lined up with me shifting the business to be more in line with how I want to work and more sustainable in terms of my time and that's been the best investment ever whether it's the the money or the energy or the work or whatever because that has allowed the business to grow to a point where I didn't think was possible but it's actually allowed me to do that in a way where I'm working on my terms and actually working probably less than I was when I was pushing really hard before so I've transitioned now from just doing the one-on-one work to then doing group programs and kind of yeah figuring out more more creative ways of doing things but it took a good few months of just being a bit frustrated and burnt out and having a few nosebleeds on Instagram stories to realize that I was needing to change things up. I think that's a really interesting transition because you've gone essentially from more this consulting approach 
changing it to to fit your needs but then all of a sudden you now have this group coaching as well as retreats right and just looking from the outside and kind of following your journey that totally makes sense but is that something where you were worried about potentially alienating your current audience yeah i think any change in business is quite scary isn't it same as in life because disrupting something that actually is working feels really you know against human nature i had a business that was you know i was booked out with coaching clients everyone seemed pretty happy and actually probably the only person that was going this isn't working was me and that's you know i'm learning that's kind of the case with business it it, it starts from the center and you've got to you know that's why trusting your gut is so important but definitely it felt really terrifying to go okay i've got this model that really works or at least my definition of works, which was makes money and has an impact and everyone else says it's good, but I'm actually gonna take away some of that to try and trust that what I'm gonna add in is gonna work. And that was an interesting process of sitting there, you know, when I launched the group program, I basically had to say no to six months of coaching. So I had space to do it. So making that decision when I had no evidence that it was gonna work was really strange and I think just again required me to take myself back to that place of no if I'm going to do this it's going to have to be on my terms and this feels like a decision which is going to get me closer to those terms so it's been a lot of learning curves and mistakes to get to a place where I can now zoom out and go okay this is more like the business that I wanted and even now I could tell you 10 things that I need to change to get it even closer to the business I want but yeah it's it was a lot of just going okay again that thing of it's it's now better, you know, the risk of changing this and what might happen by getting rid of this income or rid of this work is is outweighed by how uncomfortable I would feel still being in this place in a year. And I think that's what I had to keep butting up against to then get to the point where I was like, okay, we're just gonna have to do it and see. And I always think if something works, it works. And if it doesn't, then you've still learned more than you did if you didn't do it. And it's that whole thing of almost like, what got me here isn't gonna get me there right, of, of constantly adapting the business. In terms of kind of, you said you had to kind of give up six months there just to, to try this new thing and, and there was some risk involved in that. I think one of the approaches that you have is quite interesting. I mean, current life events, um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, we're all currently in lockdown, but you, before all of this happened, you kind of decided to live your business or your life a little bit more seasonally and potentially take all of August off yes was that a big change in the way that you had previously approached the business I think the taking August off thing was really interesting because it had been such a kind of behind the scenes dream and intention for years I'd always seen people do it I remember even in my first year of business a few people that I worked with didn't I just was I so admired it and thought oh my gosh that is the most like aspirational thing and when I can do that it's going to be amazing and I think I kind of reached this point where I was like I was looking at I think I was just looking at the money that I, the business was making and I was just thinking well this is a full-time salary like what am I waiting for for me to 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 take that month off and just to do it and I think I just thought you know with every decision I've made so far in the business I've never known how I'm going to do it I've never known that it's going to work but I've trusted my gut with it and it has worked out and that might feel kind of oversimplified or naive to people but that just is the way that I've built things and I think I just said well okay I'm taking August off I must have decided it late last year and then just almost that was the trigger point along with working with my business mentor of them beginning to think okay how do I click into place a business that actually in terms of how it flows is a bit more on my terms so 
seasonally what I've noticed about me is that I really like working intense and then having time off I'd rather work intense two days a week than slow five days a week so naturally because of the way that I launch and the way that I bring programs out it actually makes sense that every quarter in my business has a different kind of or each quarter has a rhythm to it and there's kind of a heavy month at the start of it which is onboarding new clients and launching and then the rest of the month is about sustaining and doing the work and actually that rhythm works so well for me because it almost again just gives me that framework to make sure that what I'm doing works on my terms and it's not just yeah I can take on that work cool or yeah that's money great let's bring it in but it goes through a filter of like yes I want to do that but let's make sure this fits in because my tendency is just to keep saying yes until I burn out and I I think I've got to the point where I've been like okay that's just always going to be my tendency I've got to put some things in place to stop that becoming a thing and kind of drilling down on on the having put those things in place what is it that you kind of use to sense check to be like oh I'm kind of overstepped here or oh no I've, I've got to pull back a little bit I think you get to know yourself pretty well of what your cues are so I definitely know with me the second that I'm getting you know even like when I'm sleeping below eight hours that to me now which I if only me six months ago would hear me now saying this they think that I'm crazy because I used to sleep like five hours a night and think that was all that I needed and now I'm at a place where I'm like okay that's my bare minimum if I'm sleeping less than that there's a problem with my workload or the way that I'm working okay and even kind of physically I just have cues within my body so it probably TMI but I'll be sick if I ever feel really stressed and tired so the second that I've been sick that's like my body being like we are we're close to burnout we're close to some kind of overwork let's just take a moment let's step back so for me I think those cues have always been there they were there when I burnt out the first time I just never read them properly I didn't understand what they meant I ignored them probably thought they were signs of success rather than signs of you need to fix this So I think it's checking back in a lot with how I feel and then just, yeah, allowing myself the kind of constant feeling that I could be closer to the best way of working. I try not to see it as kind of a destination because, you know, if the last four years have taught me anything, it's that one version of success gets you so far. And then, like you said, it evolves and shifts and you've got to change things up to do it a new way. I was going to ask kind of that in terms of in terms of reading those cues, because it sounds like you're very kind of in tune with your emotional world and kind of the your your body is that something that you also had to learn throughout that time or and if yes how how did you kind of learn to to trust your gut or listen to it I think interesting definitely with the emotional side of things that's something that's always been there I think emotional health I'm really lucky was always quite a kind of open and encouraged conversation when I was growing up so that's always felt quite logical to me to have a self-awareness around how I'm feeling and how something is making me feel. But I guess aside from the mental side, which I I feel pretty good on, the physical side is definitely something that up until the end of last year, I just did not have down to a T. I think I absolutely used to see those things as a measure that I was doing well. And I thought it was quite cool that I didn't sleep much and that I always felt a bit ill. And I just, that was my normal. That was what I thought, you know, it was almost, that was my measure of success is like, if I am, doing well it is you know a measure that I can use of that is that I'm feeling this way and weirdly enough even though I joked about the nosebleed on Instagram I had a week last year where I just burnt out and I just 
couldn't do it. I had a nosebleed and then that just triggered and I ended up being quite sick for a week. And I think that for me was a bit of a reality check of like, you're finally starting to build this business on your terms. It's finally gaining traction, you know, not finally, but it's, it's growing. You're really proud of it. Don't throw that away. Don't lose that by being silly and by pushing yourself too far. So although I hate learning those lessons because I want to think that I can do everything and I'm a superhero, it was a really great and humbling experience just to be like, okay, let's not keep like jumping onto the edge of burnout to see how close we can get. Let's actually take this a bit seriously. And there's probably a maturity in that too because I've done a lot of growing up whilst I've started running my business. Yeah, all, all adults kind of are like, why aren't you sleeping eight hours? I know. I was definitely at that point too where I'm like, now my sleep schedule is like holy and is protected at all costs. I know. And kind of following on from that in terms of thinking or kind of having that that realization or whether or not we call it maturity or just like the understanding of like, oh, actually, wait a minute, feeling ill and feeling sleep deprived isn't cool and isn't kind of this this really thing that I should be proud of is that something again that you kind of was there was there a turning point was it that week where you're just like actually no this isn't working for me or did that was that kind of a gradual build up of like actually other people who are successful and I admire do things a little bit differently yeah I think for a long time when I'd looked at the people that I admired and who felt like they were kind of you know further along in their journey or whatever than I was and I would see them running a business on their terms whether that meant you know only working a few days a week or not working many hours whatever that might be I think I'd always just kind of been like well good for them but I want to be pushing I want to I think I'd associated that with almost an apathy or a laziness and I thought well if you have all the time why would you not want to spend it pushing and doing and seeing how much you can do with your business and I think in a way that kind of older mindset that I used to have of let's push let's keep going let's you know not take time off let's just see what we can do with this I do credit that to kind of the rate and the size that my business you know although it's not even a big business but I'm really proud of how it's grown in the last few years there definitely then did reach a turning point end of last year that week where it went from okay maybe I just need to take a step back and realize that what it took to build my business is not what it takes to sustain it it might have took to build it in the way that I was building it that you know crazy work schedule and crazy amounts of pushing and sleep deprivation and whatever else but actually it's got to a place where you can trust it a bit more and it is more sustainable you don't need to keep pushing for it to keep going and if you want to push in you know short bursts to get to another point fantastic but I do think there was a real reframing which I didn't want to go through because I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. I didn't want to admit that I had kind of been, you know, measuring the wrong things and caring about the wrong things for, for quite a while. But I think a few months down the line, probably early this year, really, quite a few months after that point, slowly just beginning to be like, okay, yeah, that is the way to do it. And I do remember really clearly that week where I had the nosebleed, I was sharing it on Instagram like it was hilarious. Like, and it was very funny if you've seen it, but I just thought, I'm really ill, oh, I'm so burnt out from my business, rah, rah, rah. and I was sharing it because I just thought, you know, I share everything. But a lot of people messaged me that week very concerned and just going, you need to stop, you need to can't, like, what are you doing to yourself? And I think I got quite annoyed at those messages. I just thought, well, who are you to tell me how to run my business? And this way works. But in a way, I kind of needed to hear those things, be 
question why I was so bothered by them and then realise that it was because they were true. Probably just needed to chill out a bit. <laughs> realised that no one cared that much and I could probably take a few days off. And kind of to, to round things up, the last question I, I wanted to talk about is you mentioned you you look at other people and how they're kind of running their business intentionally. I think one of the things that you've you've created actively kind of shaped is that that almost that like orbits a, a wrong word to call it, but you've kind of created like a, a little uh, circle around you of individuals that seem to motivate or inspire you. Can you kind of talk me through how you've made sure that you almost have that trusted circle around you? Mm. Yeah, I just think relationships are so important in business. I was actually doing some reflection the other day for a podcast episode about what got me my first clients. And I think the biggest thing I realized looking back is they were all built on relationships in the sense that all of them would come from kind of one-to-one connections or conversations. So for me, from the very start, that's always been a real priority. And I can totally recognize from a kind of outside perspective in terms of growth has helped the business. But I think more and more of I also realize it's so important for me. I think especially when you're in a position where you're supporting others, you know, my job is to listen to other people and support them and and hold the things that they're going through and and give them expertise that's going to help them with that. And I count that as the biggest privilege, but it's a tiring privilege. And it's a one, you know, it's one that sometimes I just need to switch off from. So to have people in business who understand it, you know, different personal life friends who who get the industry who feel more like peers than clients, I think has been really fundamental in just giving me a space where I can process things and I don't feel an expectation to show up as a version of me or as a coach or whatever else. That's been really important and actually something that I think I'm valuing more and more as I go really to value those people and and see what a difference it makes because people are what it's all about, right? So it's a bit sad if there's no one else with you whilst you're you're figuring it out. And lastly, I'd like to ask you kind of three questions. Is there a book that changed your life or shifted your mindset? It is currently changing my life and shifting my mindset and it was recommended by you. So sorry if I'm adding to the noise of how much you love this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Will definitely change your life. I think I... I think you were contemplating purchasing it and I literally messaged you being like, it will change your life. Yeah, and it is. I read a chapter every single morning before I get out of bed and it's just setting me up. Seriously, loving it. And speaking of setting you up, do you have a secret to success? Do you know what I would say? My secret to success, which sounds so fluffy, is being a good human, being kind, being nice, being generous, just be a nice person. And then kind of looking back, what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live life differently, which sounds a little bit bold, (laughs) but when you realized, oh, actually, I'm on a slightly different trajectory than everyone else. What a word, eh? Yeah, I just think that affirmation or confirmation, don't know the right word, of your way is going to be the right way to do it and trust your gut. It's something I'm still reminding myself of and having to remind myself of all the time but I just wish in those early days I could have said to myself like just just have a go just try you're gonna have to do it in six months anyway when what you're doing right now doesn't work so may as well just go for it now and lastly if people want to find out more about you where can they find you uh my biggest hangout space if you cannot tell I'm an oversharer so my favorite space to overshare is on Instagram where I'm Alice underscore Benham and then I've got a podcast called Starting the Conversation which is kind of more of the same really uncovering what it really looks like to grow a business and 
kind of share more of my experiences. And you've got some, I will have to say, some absolutely hilarious stories and some quality content out there. Thank you, Julia. That is high praise, high praise. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast, Alice, and taking the time to chat. Thank you for having me. It's been a genuine privilege. I've loved it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I'm still thinking about how in order to have a business that serves both you and your people, rather than everyone but you, you need to build a business that is based on a clear why for both. So many times have I felt that the work I am doing is running me rather than the other way around, and in order to feel empowered, this dynamic needs to flip. If this conversation has helped you in any way or led to some insights, please share it with your friends, colleagues, and family. I would also be incredibly grateful if you could please write a review as this helps me record more episodes and makes it easier for others to find the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Modern Day Rebels on Apple Podcasts, follow the podcast on Spotify, or listen in on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow at Modern Day Rebels on Instagram or sign up to the newsletter to stay up to date on each week's episode and receive some practical tips and tricks you can easily apply in your day to day. You can find all links in the show notes. See you next week.